This is the Daily Signal podcast bonus episode. I'm Mary Margaret Olihan, and I recently sat down with the Washington Examiner's Andrew Kerr to discuss his reporting on the organization Black Lives Matter. Through messaging on racial justice, Black Lives Matter has been reaping in massive sums of money over the past few years. But over the last month or so, people have begun questioning exactly where that money has been going. Andrew breaks down for us what exactly is going on here and what role his reporting has played in exposing the organization's corruption. Let's dive in. My guest today is Andrew Kerr, an investigative reporter for The Washington Examiner, who's been uncovering truly incredible stories about Black Lives Matter as of late. Andrew, thanks so much for joining us today. Hey, thanks for having me on, Mary Margaret. You've been breaking story after bombshell story on Black Lives Matter. To start us off, can you explain to our listeners who we're talking about? What should we know about Black Lives Matter? Yeah, so we're um, we're talking about the National Black Lives Matter um, organization. Its official name is called Black Lives Matter Global Network Foundation. And this is the entity that received... Um, the $90 million windfall in 2020. Um, and it's also the group whose co-founder, uh, Patrice Cullors, was involved with all the uh, the home purchases uh, last spring that was first reported by the New York Post. Um, so, yeah, this is the national you know, BLM group. There's a lot of different you know local BLM chapters around the country, but everything I've been reporting on has been, you know, the main... BLM group that has that you know received the lion's share of the uh, of the money uh, during the uh, nationwide unrest in 2020 following George, the killing of George Floyd. So, can you walk us through what you've been finding out about Black Lives Matter? I understand that they've been amassing huge sums of money over the past few years, right? Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, to start at the top. So, I mentioned that Patrice Cullors purchased all those homes. She was the BLM. Uh, co-founder. Um, and uh, last May, she announced that she had resigned. She was uh, stepping down from the group to focus on other projects. And in her stead, um, she had appointed two uh, other activists to take over the the organization. Um, and every news outlet under the sun covered that story that these two people were taking over um, Black Lives Matter. Uh, it turns out that those two uh, replacement executives very quietly announced in September um, that they had never taken the job and that they uh, were not going to take the job because they could not come to any sort of agreement with uh, BLM on the, the scope of their work. So when I found that in late January, it was like, oh, my gosh, like it's been eight months and we don't know who BLM's leader is because BLM never you know, announced this and no press outlet noticed that these two people had, you know, announced that they weren't going to take the job. So um, so I started reaching out to Black Lives Matter and asking them, like, who, OK, who's been in charge of your organization and the, the 60 million dollars you guys said that you ended 2020 with, who's in control of that money? And they won't answer. I reached out to the two co-executive directors, the ones that said they weren't going to take the job and I asked them, hey, so now that you guys aren't taking the job, like, do you know who's leading Black Lives Matter? And they said, no, we don't. They didn't give us any information. Also, in mid-November um, of last year, their uh, finances were, were due to be reported to the IRS. Um, BLM, the National BLM Group, is a registered charity, uh, which means that donations to the group are tax deductible uh, and for anybody that's giving to the group. 
In return, BLM has an obligation to report uh, its finances in what's called a Form 990. That form was due by BLM in mid-November, and uh, and they didn't publish it. Um, and they were supposed to provide it upon request, but I we asked for the documents, and and uh, and they didn't respond. Uh, so. Um, so that's when we started writing these stories of saying, you know, there's a shocking lack of financial transparency. We don't even know who's leading the organization. They're not giving up their tax forms. Um, and this kind of started a windfall where um, it turned out that in, in January, uh, Washington State and California actually issued legal threats to, to BLM saying, hey, you, you're not to solicit in, in our states until you cough up your information about your 2020 finances. And, and that was a, a result of your reporting? So uh, Washington uh, sent out their, their letter to, to BLM in early January before our reporting, but California sent out their letter after their reporting. And you know, I, I can share that I, I had asked California, you know, uh, the, their attorney general's office, um, you know, started asking them questions about BLM not you know, being, being properly registered. And it was after I reached out to them that they then responded to me and said, by the way, we just sent this letter to, to them, you know, warning that we're gonna California essentially said, we're going to hold your leaders personally liable if you don't cough up information about your books. So wow. um, I think it's fair to say that the California action was taken in direct um, uh, reaction to, to my reporting. That's insane. And so, didn't someone from the Washington Examiner literally go to the to the location that was registered under Black Lives Matter's name and no one, they said that they hadn't been using it? Yeah, so uh, BLM filed a, a 2019 Form 990, and they said that their books were in uh, office space in Los Angeles. And so I happen to have a colleague, her name is Tori Richards, that's based in Los Angeles. So she drove out to the address and was told by a security guard that there has never been a Black Lives Matter here. And then he added that we're constantly getting packages for Black Lives Matter that we have to return back to sender. Wow. So we definitely, she definitely went to the right address. Just nobody was home. <laughs> and, and that's when BLM, they've given me very little information in response to, you know, probably like the dozens and dozens of emails and phone calls and text messages that I sent them. But one of the only things that they've told me was that we don't have a permanent address anymore. Wow. Which is kind of astounding. You know, this is an organization that claims to end 2020 with 60 million under its control, and they don't even have a permanent address that you can go to to request tax documents that they are legally required to provide to the public upon request. That's, you know, that just doesn't pass the smell test. And so we're still talking about Black Lives Matter, the organization that's fundraising all this money on messaging about racism and respecting the dignity of other people. What are they telling you about all this scandal? I know, I think you got a statement from someone on that. Um, are you referring to, to BLM itself? Yes. So what they did when we published our first story back in uh, late January, right, just about an hour before we put that story up, they, they responded to me and they said, we are gonna mail you a copy of our 2020 Form 990, um, which should have contained information about you know, the financial windfall that they received. When they sent us a copy of that document, mailed it to us, uh, I received it on Monday. Uh, what they did to kind of condense a really kind of complicated, you know, wonky financial situation is that BLM changed its uh, accounting year uh, that used to run January to December. So it matched the calendar year. And then they, they changed it apparently last minute to run July through June. 
which in effect has given BLM another three months to report its finances from 2020. So they provided me a, a, a document that contained their finances from the first half of 2020. Well, BLM was essentially dormant uh, during that time frame, So it's just straight zeros all the way across. So um, it's kind of a sneaky move that they did, in my opinion, to uh, you know, just change their fiscal year to avoid, you know, really disclosing what they did with with all that money. Um, and also what they revealed was that their their books are now in the care of uh, the law firm run by a longtime Democratic super lawyer, Mark Elias. Um, and they also have elevated a woman named Minya Moore, who's a longtime Democratic uh, political operative. She's very tight with uh, Bill and Hillary Clinton, and she's currently advising the Biden White House on the, her, the uh, Supreme Court pick. Uh, yeah. She has been elevated to the to Black Lives Matter's uh, board of directors. Can you um, tell us a little more about that? Because I saw you and Jerry Dunleavy together uncovered that story. That's crazy that Mark Elias and then this longtime Hillary Clinton ally both took on key roles in Black Lives Matter. What's going on with that? Yeah, so um, there's no indication whatsoever that, uh, um, and to be clear, it's the it's the Elias Law Group. So it's, it's, you know, Mark Elias's namesake law firm. We don't know, like, you know, which attorney is actually representing them, but it says that, you know, BLM said in this, you know, short year uh, 990 that they provided me um, on Monday that their books were now in the care of Elias Law Group. And then also this Minion Moore uh, Democratic operative, you know, to the board of directors. So these moves appear to be taken quite recently. The document that disclosed this information is signed and dated November 11th of last year. But, you know, you have to ask why they didn't provide that document. You know, the reason why they're getting these legal threats from blue states is because they didn't upload that document in time. So like, why did why didn't you up you know why didn't you you provide them that document you know in November when you claimed it was signed and dated so yeah um, it it appeared you know BLM they've kind of got caught with their with their pants down um, you know they've they've shut down their their online fundraising they've deactivated their Act Blue fundraising pages you can't donate to Black Lives Matter right now due to these legal threats that they're that they're facing and these compliance issues all across the country. Um, Amazon's, Amazon recently just removed uh, Black Lives Matter from, Amaz from their Amazon Smile fundraising program. So these are real issues that BLM is, is facing. And it looks like they, you know, it, it looks like they hit the panic switch and they, and they you know, went to Mark Elias to help, you know, fix this up. Wow. Um, and so that's, uh, you know, we don't know the exact timing of when they went there, but uh, there's no indication that they made these moves until, you know, earlier, earlier this week when they had provided uh, these documents to me. Wow. So I know you touched on this briefly, but can you remind us which states have disciplined or reprimanded Black Lives Matter? Yes, they are out of compliance in California and Washington have sent the national BLM group, you know, formal notices to stop fundraising. And BLM is also out of compliance in New Jersey, North Carolina, Connecticut, Colorado, Maryland, Maine, and Virginia as of uh, late yesterday afternoon. I haven't checked today. So you know, more on that. So uh, again, BLM is a charity um, and donations to BLM are tax deductible. So there's about 40 states across the country that require charities to, to register uh, with either their secretary of state or their attorney general's office before soliciting funds from those states. 
And the states that I just named out, uh, you know, particularly California, Washington, um, and North Carolina have really robust requirements. So not only do charities have to disclose, you know, their leadership structure, they have to, you know, provide to these states their, their Form 990s. They also have to provide to these states their audited financial statements, which would provide an even more granular, you know, level of insight into, into what they did with all their money, um, you know, during 2020. And so, um, you know, BLM hasn't provided those those records to to these states, um, and that's why you, any these are public, you know, uh, databases. You just, for instance, type type into Google North Carolina charity search, and you can you can and you can type Black Lives Matter into North Car into the the first result that comes up, and and you can see very clearly that in North Carolina, for instance, they've been out of compliance. They haven't been registered since May of 2021. Wow. So yeah. The only reason that Black Lives Matter isn't out of compliance in more states is because their current registration in those states it doesn't expire for another month or two. So, for example, in Florida, which has a really robust uh, you know charity disclosure system, BLM's registration in that state doesn't expire until uh, around mid-April, if I remember correctly. So, um, BLM hasn't provided you know their necessary documents to really any of these states, and so that and um, uh, so the longer that this goes, the the more scrutiny they're going to be getting from from states, um, I think. And this is a massive fall from grace. No, it, it, it not too long ago, Black Lives Matter was reaping in massive sums of money and they were just they seemed to be untouchable. It was just the organization that everybody talked about, Black Lives Matter. Right. I mean, if I look at 2020, I think that there are like three big storylines in 2020. There is the COVID, the outbreak of COVID. Um, there's the 2020 presidential election, and then there's Black Lives Matter. That was the dominant storyline for all of summer 2020. And there's a lot of Black Lives Matter groups, or, or, you know, local groups around the country, which, by the way, have been sounding off for years about the national BLM group uh, essentially scooping up all the money uh, that is designated to, to their movement and not giving any of it to the activists that are you know, actually doing the work on the ground. So this national BLM group was like one of the dominant storylines of, of 2020. They got a ton of money and now they're not, they're just, they're imploding in real time. I, I don't think that there's another example of a charity that, I mean, they, over a hundred million dollars has flowed through this group in the past two years. And I don't think that there's a, I, I can't think, I, I can't find another example of such a, a dominant charity, like voluntarily shutting down their ability to raise funds uh, while they're, you know, facing, you know, compliance issues all, all over the country. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a remarkable fall from grace. I'm a little bit biased because I'm, you know, obviously reporting this story, but, um, I, I think it's a, I think it's a massive, I think it's, yeah, a huge fall from grace. And, you know, I've, uh, we worked together before. I've seen you uncover some truly incredible stories. I mean, the way some of the reporting you've done on Antifa just blows my mind. But have you ever seen anything like this news cycle and this this narrative that you've uncovered? I, so, yeah, for me personally, I've, I've not seen a, you know, for the, the stories that I've reported, uh, never, never seen a reaction um, like this. Um, you know, I, uh, hopefully we don't get off, too off topic, but you know, for, I, I was one of the first reporters to report that uh, former New York Governor Andrew Cuomo had was deliberately undercounting nursing home deaths. So we put that story out. It was um, the story of the century. Yeah. So that was a uh, that was what May, May of twenty twenty. Yeah. Um, and that and the that just kind of 
you know, remained dormant, sat there dormant for about a year before the mainstream press caught on to it. And then, you know, the, Cuomo's house of cards, you know, really quickly fell down. Um, and, you know, then he resigned from, from office. Uh, so I've had a couple of big stories that, you know, they make their, their rounds, um, conservative media, um, and then mainstream media just doesn't touch it. And then, you know, fast forward a year and then, and then it kind of catches up to, you know, whatever the, the story was about, but with black lives matter, you know, the, the lack of transparency and the size of the organization and the amount of money that they have and the influence that they have, the lack of transparency is just so egregious that I think that these states and have no choice but to um, but but to take action here. And you know, we're talking. I'm talking to legitimate charity experts that have been you know uh, watchdogs in this uh, arena for for decades, and they're telling me this is like the worst ch- uh, example instance of uh, you know essentially the worst charity financial scandal that they've ever seen uh, in wow. regards to lack of transparency. So like this is a legitimate issue. Um, and it's, it's worth noting that the, the, the mainstream press, legacy press, whatever you want to call them that, that propped up BLM for much of 2020 has remained completely silent about this. You can, again, you cannot donate to the national black lives matter group right now because they have shut down their ability to raise funds while they're dealing with these issues. So, um, so this is a legitimate thing that we're that we're talking about. This is not like fake news. We're not taking anything out of context here. Those are real actions that Black Lives Matter has taken while it deals with these legitimate threats from some of the most liberal states in the country. So, wow. yeah. Um, well, I know that reporters can receive a lot of criticism for digging into any story. But with a hot button story like this, I'm curious, have you received any personal blowback? Nope, not uh, not even one, you know, random Twitter troll has accused me of, uh, of being racist, which, which I think is, uh, kind of a, a, a badge of honor. Um, <laughs> you know, my personal motivation for, for, for doing this story is that I, I get fired up when you have instances of small dollar donors being taken advantage of. I, uh, did the first serious reporting on the, the, we build the wall, uh, group from, uh, what was that? 2019. And when I was with the Daily Caller, uh, we put out stories about how, from quoting charity experts, saying that you know donors should be um, small dollar donors should should you know, really you know take heed before donating to this uh, to this group that Steve Bannon eventually got involved with um, because they're making all these claims about you know raising funds for to build a border wall and you know fast forward eighteen months and and the feds uh, levied indictments against the people running that charity. Um, uh, so, yeah, I mean, really the motivation here with Black Lives Matter is that a lot of good people in 2020 did not like the scenes that they were seeing on television and decided to donate to Black Lives Matter because they wanted to make a difference. And so Black Lives Matter has an obligation to report back to those people what they did with their money. And there's been years of allegations from local BLM groups that this national group has not been good stewards of their funding. There's been allegations that the BLM founder, Patrice Cullors has been, you know, has made millions uh, purchase, and she's purchased homes across the country, you know, for, for millions of dollars. There's allegations of financial impropriety. They have an obligation to report what they did with this money, report back to the people that, that gave their hard-earned money to, to their group, and they're not doing that. And so it's, this is a very important story to cover because uh, nothing makes my blood boil more than big, powerful groups taking advantage of the small donors that are supporting their movement. So, um, so yeah, uh, 
I really haven't been receiving much uh, blowback. Like I, like I mentioned before, the national uh, corporate legacy press, liberal press has completely ignored the story. And I think that's a, you know, another sign that, that, uh, that we've got it right. Because if there's if there are any facts that we got wrong in these in these stories, you you know that they would come out and and you know start you know kind of poking holes in the story. Right. But they can't do that again because Black Lives Matter has shut down their ability to raise funds. That's not something they would do for some like fake, you know, conservative witch hunt. No, this is some, you know, legitimate story. It's truly incredible that the mainstream or whatever you want to call it, legacy liberal media is not tagging on to this how long do you think it's going to take them to pay attention i mean your your andrew cuomo story maybe it took like a year and then they pretended that they they had uncovered all this first when you and the caller had reported it so long ago yeah i i thought that the i thought that the mainstream press would have been obligated to report you know weeks ago when when blm shut down their finances but not a mention um not not one uh Amazon Smile, Amazon has booted Black Lives Matter off of its Amazon Smile fund, uh, charity fundraising program. The same Amazon that committed $10 million to BLM and other groups in 2020. $10 um, million. So, uh, not a mention. So uh, all these legal threats from all these states, all these compliance issues that BLM is dealing with. The fact that Mark Elias's law firm uh, and, and uh, Minion Moore, a, a, a huge power player in democratic politics, has been are, are have been elevated recently to key positions at BLM. Not to mention, it's uh, it's frankly astounding to me that that um, that the legacy press hasn't picked this up. Um, they they wrote tons of stories. They gave tons of coverage to this organization in 2020. Coverage that helped this group rake in all of this money, and so now they have an obligation, at the very least, to report that. By the way, you cannot donate to this group right now because of the, all these issues that they're dealing with um, regarding their financial transparency. And so far, they haven't done that. And it's just deeply, deeply disappointing to, to see that because from, you know, I'm able to stand up on my high horse because, you know, I mentioned the We Build the Wall group. I did reporting on that group, an obligation to let my readers who are, were more likely to support that group, had an obligation at the time to warn them that like, hey, you may want to pump the brakes on this one. And fast forward 18 months and indictments were levied, you know, to that group. So, um, yeah, it's just disappointing to see that the, uh, the, the press that whose readership are the ones that are, do would be more likely to donate to Black Lives Matter have not taken it upon themselves to notify their readers of any, any of this. I think it's scandalous. And so what's next for Black Lives Matter? Do you have any plans to take your investigations further? I'm sure you do. <laughs> yeah, there's a couple other, uh, a couple other angles that that, that we're pursuing, um, but I don't want to talk about anything until it's right. you know, ready to go. <laughs> well, we're excited to see what you do next, and we're so grateful for you sharing your story with us. Great. Thanks for having me on. And that'll do for today's episode. Thanks so much for listening to The Daily Signal Podcast. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. It is executive produced by Virginia Allen and Kate Trinko. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. For more information, please visit DailySignal.com.